And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Welcome to our final week of This Is Us. This has been a little bit of a, uh, a journey over the last three months as we've been taking a look at our new vision and values as a church. Um, real quick before we get into today, I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to those that are watching with us online and would ask you, uh, if you don't mind, take just a moment and share today's message. You never know how one simple share can make an impact or a difference in somebody's life. Um, before we jump into today's message, didn't Aaliyah do awesome on those video announcements? I mean, she is a natural. Holy cow, I told her, I said, I said I've, I've started doing the video stuff, like I was really uncomfortable with video stuff, and then COVID hit, and it kind of forced everybody to start doing that. And uh, for me to do what she did for the first time, like took me months. And so we've got a natural at it. Well, as she mentioned, uh, this coming weekend is a, uh, a really important weekend as we approach uh, Easter and just want to uh, make sure that you make plans to be here for Good Friday service at 630 uh, this coming Friday. That um, I don't really have enough words to describe um, just how amazing uh, that evening is going to be as we come together and um, re reflect on all that Jesus has done for us. And then uh, definitely make sure that you're here on Easter Sunday. Uh, we'll have one service at 1030 and we're going to have the overflow available downstairs in the, uh, in the cafe. Uh, but it's going to be amazing time as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. One of the things that is just a life verse for me is that the same spirit that resurrected Jesus lives in what? lives in us. And so what power we have in our own lives to be able to get through the trials and the difficulties we face. And so we're going to celebrate that uh, this coming Sunday. And then afterwards, our annual Easter egg hunt, it's going to be a little bit different as we're navigating through COVID and through um, church transition and all that. But we're going to have that after service on Sunday. It's going to last about 30 minutes. And uh, here's what I'm challenging all of us to do as a church family, whether we have kids or not, let's all go out there after the service and let's cheer on the little kids as they're running around with their baskets and, and getting eggs and it'll just be a great um, church experience and then we'll be able to take off and, and uh, go get Easter lunch and just spend time with family. Um, so keep that in mind, make sure that you're inviting some people this week and if you see our social media posts, make sure you're sharing those for us as well. Well, today we're going to be concluding our This Is Us series. And if you're new, if you've just been coming kind of a few weeks, I'd encourage you to go back. Uh, you can check out our previous messages um, online. You can check them out, go to our website, and then that'll take you to our YouTube channel or our podcast. And you can get kind of caught up with what we've been talking about. But we spent uh, a week talking about our new vision. We spent four weeks unpacking how the new vision uh, happens in our lives. And then the last seven weeks, we've been looking at the different core values that um, we're going to have as a church as we begin to move forward. And, and one of the things that we've talked about with these core values is that, that these aren't necessarily just core values that we as a church have, but they are core values that we should all have in our own lives as we follow Christ. And 
And uh, when I think of core values, the easiest way for me to, to be able to explain what they are and the impact they have within a local church is that, you know, we, we are here in Tallahassee. There's a lot of amazing churches uh, that are here in Tallahassee. And um, all of these churches that are Bible-based churches have the same mission. The same mission is to go and, and make disciples. It's to reach lost people. But it's when the core values come into play that helps to, to create, um, not separation, but it's, it's, I like to think of it as a personality. Like in this room, um, we're all humans, but we all have unique personalities. We're all just a little bit different. And our core values as a church is what, um, is what helps us be a little different. It's what, what people experience when they walk onto our campus. And, and so we've been kind of journeying through those core values. And today I wanna close our series by talking to you about the last of the seven core values. And the value is this, it's impact. That we are going to uh, value impact as a church. And we have this uh, value statement that you'll hear a lot around here, that we're going to use our gifts to make a difference in the lives of others. We're going to use our spiritual gifts to make a difference in the lives of others. And, and the idea of this is that we're going, to, we're going to, to not just be spectators in the kingdom of God, but we're going to be participators in the mission that he's called all of us to do. And you know, I, I didn't grow up in church, and, and, uh, and so when I got saved, when I, I came to the Lord for me, um, I don't want to just kind of do church where it's just a box that we check off um, each week just to say, hey, I did it, and kind of move on with my life, but I, I wanted to, to make an impact. I wanted my life to count. I wanted, I wanted my life to, to leave ripple effects from generation to generation, that it, I would have some sort of impact or influence in other people's lives so that they could become all that God had created them to be. And I really believe that that is God's call on all of our lives, that we're all called to be difference makers. We're all called to, to be an influence in people's lives so their lives are better for the kingdom of God than they were before they met us. And so today I wanna to talk a little bit about that and, and I wanna give you kind of a heads up as we go into today's um, message. Today um, might, be, might feel a little bit like sandpaper. It might feel a little bit like sandpaper, but I don't know about you, but uh, every piece of wood needs to be sanded from time to time. And so I just, I, I want us to kind of open our hearts a little bit. I want us to, to be receivers of what God wants to say to us. But, but I want to really challenge you that as we begin to walk through this um, idea, this value of impact, to not tune out or to not think of somebody else, but allow God to speak to us personally. We'll do this. Grab your Bible or smartphone. And our main text today is going to be out of John chapter 6. But I want us to pray our prayer together as we prepare our hearts for God's word. And so repeat this out with me if you would. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the most 
really inspiring stories that I've ever heard is also one of the most heartbreaking stories that I've ever heard. The story is about a Puerto Rican woman who came to know Christ and decided that she wanted to volunteer and ended up helping to, to pick up street kids in the rough neighborhoods of the Bronx and to, to take them to Sunday school. And, and this woman volunteered in a ministry that's called Metro Ministries. Metro Ministries in New York is led by really a world changer by the name of Bill Wilson. I don't know if you've ever heard of Bill Wilson, but a little backstory about Bill Wilson is that at the age of 12, his mother left him on a street corner in New York and didn't come back. And for three days, Bill Wilson, as a 12-year-old, was on the street corner, never left, hoping that his mom would show up at some point. And on the third day, a Christian man was driving by on his way, actually, to see his son in the hospital and was driving by and saw little Bill Wilson on the street corner and stopped. And this man stopped and gave him some food and actually ended up paying his way to go to a Sunday school camp. And at this camp, Bill Wilson, little 12-year-old, heard the gospel for the first time. But the sad thing is, is that nobody would pray with him. No kid would pray with him. No adult would pray with him because he looked and smelled so bad that he found himself alone in the altar praying this prayer. He said, my mother doesn't want me. The Christians don't want me. But if you want me, God, here I am. And that prayer for Bill Wilson was the start of his own personal journey and relationship with the Lord. Eventually, Bill would become a pastor and he would devote his entire life to rescuing kids spiritually that were experiencing similar situations that he had experienced in his own life. And, and so in 1980, Pastor Bill founded Metro Ministries in New York. And since then, he's been leading Sunday school programs and reaching kids with the hope of Jesus in some of the toughest neighborhoods in New York. And Pastor Bill tells this story that I'm talking about, about this Puerto Rican woman who, after being saved, came to him and asked how she could make an impact in other people's lives. The problem was with this woman is she didn't speak a word of English. But she was so passionate about helping minister to kids that he found her a place. And that place was in the bus ministry that picked up kids on Sundays. And, and he told her that all she had to do was just love on the kids. And so that's what she did. She just sat on that bus every Sunday and loved on those kids. She would find the, the roughest and the dirtiest looking kids and, and would say the only English phrase that she knew, Jesus loves you. And over a period of a few months, she gravitated to this young boy named Ray. And, and Ray had some speech problems and was unable to speak, but he came every single Sunday with his sister. 
And all the way to church and all the way back home, Ray would sit in this woman's lap and all she kept whispering to Ray was, Jesus loves you and so do I. Jesus loves you and so do I. And one day after almost a year of serving in this bus ministry, everyone was shocked when little Ray turned to her and put his little arms around her neck and stuttered these words, I love you too. Church, that was 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon when Ray said those words. And at 6.30 that evening, Ray, little Ray, was found dead. He was found dead in a garbage bag under a fire escape. His mom had beat him to death and thrown him in the trash. For Ray, some of the last words that he ever heard was, Jesus loves you, and so do I. And they came from a woman who didn't even know English, but just wanted to make an impact. Church, I know that's a heavy story. It's a sad story for a Sunday morning, but I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's stories very similar to Bill's. There's stories very similar to Ray's all around us. And God has called all of us, all of us to make an impact like this Christian man did when he stopped on his way to see his son at the hospital And like this Puerto Rican woman did who didn't know a single word of English. And the Apostle Paul, he he addresses this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. And we've read this a few times in the series. He, He said this in verse 10. He said, whenever we have the opportunity. That whenever we have the opportunity that we should do good to everyone, especially to those of the family of faith. You know, this word opportunity in the original language is the word kairos, and, and it means to seize the moment. To seize the moment. And sometimes I wonder what our church and what the churches in Tallahassee could be like if if all of us who have received such an amazing gift from Jesus Christ would just seize the moment, seize the opportunities that God places before us to make an impact in the lives of other people. And oftentimes what happens, if you're anything like me, that, that you have reasons, you have feelings, you have things that, that come up that, that you use or you allow to happen to disqualify you from seizing the moment. You know, some of those reasons are, are maybe, maybe the moment feels insignificant. You know, we have the 
tendency to assume that making an impact has to be something huge. It's got to be something big. And what happens is, is we end up sitting back and, and waiting for this big moment and missing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I think of, of, of this feeling of, of insignificant, and I think of people that, that, that are living contrary to that. I think of the Philmans that are back here that are missionaries overseas, that, that they can't go see the orphans that they minister to because of COVID, and they can't get there. And easily they could have sat back, but they go out and several times a week, they feed the homeless and they minister. They seize the opportunity Another, another reason for us that we, that we don't go out, we don't allow God to use us to make an impact is, is insecurity. That we feel insecure about our gifts or our talents and, and because we struggle with these insecurities, we have this long list of, of why we're not good enough or why we can't do something. And I, I think about my own journey I think about my own life and, and having speech problems in my own life as a kid. And, and I think about my own journey of being an introvert. And I think about all the years that, that I took a step of faith and I was, I was courageous to follow the Lord in ministry. And I sat underneath amazing pastors. And every single Sunday, I would listen to their message. And, and do you know what the words were that were whispering in my mind in those moments? You can't do that. You can't be like Terrell Todd. You can't be like J.D. Simmons. You can't preach like that. And at some point in my life, I had to realize that God wasn't calling me to be them. God was calling me to be me and that I had to be comfortable, right? And the way that God has wired me where do insecurities come from? They come from us comparing ourselves to other people. And how many times do we allow those insecurities to keep us from taking a step of faith, keep us from getting involved on a worship team, getting involved as a usher or greeter in the parking lot or production or serving with kids or youth or feeding the homeless or doing whatever? How many times do we allow that to get in the way of making an impact in somebody else's life. And then we see this, this dad that was on the way to the hospital that stopped. You know, that's another reason that we face in our lives. We don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't. I mean, let's be honest with our life. How easy it is for us to get into this kind of Christian rut where we live our own lives and we do our own thing and we add a little bit of Jesus, kind of like salt and pepper to a lunch or a dinner. We add a little bit of Jesus to our lives to give it a little bit of flavor. Like we're good with God. We're good with being a Christian. We're good with coming to church every once in a while as long as it doesn't interfere with our life and what we want to do and where we're headed. I'm telling you, sandpaper. You feeling a sandpaper? Church, none of these reasons, none of them has Jesus given us a pass on. None of them has Jesus said, well, you know, 
we'll just let you do your thing and everybody else will do this. Like, like just because you don't feel like you can talk, you don't have to worry about that. Like none of that. When you look at scripture, when we go into scripture, I mean, there is story after story after story of, I mean, think of all the people in scripture that we look at too. That we look at and, 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 and we want to, to model our lives after. These are all people that endured hardships and difficulty, but yet they were courageous enough to keep walking. I mean, you think of that prayer that we pray at the beginning of, of every message about the courage to respond. What is courage? Courage is choosing to move forward despite the difficulty, Right? despite what's going on in our lives, despite all the reasons why we don't think that we should do it. And, and we see Jesus and, and He lives this life that He's modeling for us and we see Him constantly talking against these feelings that we use to disqualify ourselves from making an impact in the lives of other people. I mean, think of... Think of our feelings and think of how many times we've allowed our feelings to dictate our responses. But church, feelings should be indicators, not dictators. I mean, think of Jesus. Like if Jesus allowed his feelings to dictate what he did, he would have never died on the cross for you and I. Think of Noah. If Noah would have allowed his feelings to dictate. This guy had never even seen rain before, yet God has told him to build a boat. Think of the Samaritan woman who was sleeping with all these people, and she has an encounter with Jesus at the well. And her life has radically changed, and Jesus tells her to go tell her village, and she could have not gone. She could have disqualified herself. Why would she... Why would she be able to be an evangelist to her community with all that she's done in her life? But she went and told and her entire village came to know Jesus. Think of Moses who had a stuttering problem, yet God used him to lead the people of Israel, Israel out of Egyptian bondage. I think of Jeremiah who just felt too young, like, God, you can't use me, I'm too young, but yet God showed up. I mean, story after story after story, the Christian faith is not allowing our lives to be led by our feelings. The Christian faith is having the courage to trust in God that when he tells us to do something, that even though we don't feel like doing it, even though it might not make sense, that as we take every step of faith forward, God shows up. Look with me in John chapter 6. I think this is an amazing story that helps us kind of see Jesus' heart and helps us see these disciples that these are people that were following Jesus, that they had seen Jesus do a whole lot of stuff. And, and one of the things that I love about the disciples is I see so much of my own dysfunction. I see so much of my own shortcomings even in their lives. And we see here in John chapter 6, starting verse 1, it says, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, and a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. 
because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. And then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. And in verse 5, it says that Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked this question. He said, where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? Now, I want you to watch this in verse 6. He was testing Philip. He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. How many realize that God will put us through and allow us to walk through difficulty in our lives in order to test our heart? He wants to test our heart. You know, it's one thing to say things with our lips. It's another thing to believe them in our heart. And we can say things with our lips all we want when difficulty faces, but it truly is a revelation of where our heart is when we respond in difficulty. And I heard someone say once that the difficulty in life doesn't, it doesn't change us, it actually reveals us. The difficulty doesn't change us, it reveals us. I mean, think about, think about the last test that you walked through in your life. Think about the last big trial that you had to experience in your life and think about did it, did, it, did it pull you away from God or did it draw you closer to God? Did it pull you away from church or did it draw you more to church? Did you lean into God during that time or did you find something to take the edge off? I mean, God's tests in our life are designed to bring revelation, but it's not to God because he already knows where our heart is. It's for us to see. It's for us to get a better glimpse at, you know, am I really trusting God? Do I really have faith that God is going to come through in my life? Do I really believe that he's going to use all the good and all the bad in my life for my benefit? Even if it doesn't look like what I want right now, do I trust and have faith that he's going to work it out in the end? And look at, look at Philip's response to this test from Jesus in verse 7. It says, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed him. Anybody say failed? Right? I don't know about you, I've, I've failed plenty of tests in my own life, and this is a failed test. And then we look at verse 8. It says, then Andrew, Simon's, uh, Simon Peter's brother, speaks up. And, and I think this is funny because he points to somebody else as the solution. <laughs> He's not like, I got this, Jesus. He's like, over here. And he says in verse 9, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But look what, si what, look what Andrew says. He's like, what good is that with this huge crowd? And so here we see that Andrew sees an opportunity to make an impact, but 
He quickly disqualifies it because the solution, five loaves and two fish, just don't seem big enough. Right? Have you ever heard the the statement, little is much when God is in it? Now watch what Jesus does in verse 10. He says, tell everyone to sit down. And I, I don't know about you, but I can just, maybe I'm reading into the text a little bit. Um, But I can hear the tone in Jesus's voice at this moment. I mean, consider the fact that these disciples had already seen Jesus do miracles leading up to this point. And here Jesus sees a crowd coming in and Jesus sees another opportunity for a miracle. And he throws out a bone to these guys and they can't, they don't get it. They've seen him do the amazing, the miraculous already to this point but they can't see it in this moment. And it makes me think, like as I was studying and praying through this week, it it made me think of the seasons in my life that God has come through. The seasons that maybe in the moment I didn't see it, I didn't recognize it, but it was after the fact that I looked back and I thanked God he didn't answer my prayer. Have you ever been there? I th- sometimes I thank God for the prayers he doesn't answer more than the prayers that he has answered. Because I see where his plan was far greater than my plan. And I see him at work. And then I think about the seasons that even in knowing all that he's done and his faithfulness in my life, that I can find myself in seasons where I begin to doubt it again. And there might even be some of you that are here today or some of you that are watching online and and God's faithfulness has been there in the past and you find yourself in another difficult season but you're struggling to have faith and to trust God. And we see that here in the life of these disciples and Philip is a guy who can't even see the opportunity. Andrew can see it but he thinks it's insignificant. And so Jesus goes on, he says, so, that, so they all sat down on the grassy slopes and, and the, the scripture says the men alone numbered about 5,000. And, and the reason why he says men alone is because in those days, their culture and environment like this, they would only count the men. And so there were 5,000 men, which means that, that most theologians believe that there was 15 to 20,000 people that were there at that moment. And so if you think 5,000 mouths is a little much to feed, think about the fact that there's 15 to 20,000 mouths that have to be fed with only five loaves of bread and two fish. And think about if you were in that moment and you were a disciple, even though you have seen all the miracles before happen, would you have found yourself in their shoes? Would you have found yourself in a situation when you look at the hillside and it's full of people and there's five loaves of bread and two fish and would you have, would you have possibly disqualified what Jesus was wanting to do? And verse 11 says, Then Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks to God and he distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish Now look at this. And they all ate as much as they wanted. 
I mean, this, was, this is probably the beginning of the Bible of the buffet. I mean, it's in Scripture, so it is godly, and uh, it is of the Lord. Verse 12, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Verse 13, so they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Now check out the result of Jesus meeting their physical needs in this moment. In verse 14, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. And what an amazing story of, of impact. What an amazing story of seeing how Jesus can do the impossible and how so oftentimes in our own life, in our own journey, we doubt and we have a lack of faith. And, and I think about the different, different groups of people that are here and, and, and we got Jesus who sees an opportunity and, and he responds. And then we've got the disciples, the people that are just, I mean, they're the closest to Jesus out of everybody else. The closest to Jesus. It makes me feel like I got a chance, Right the closest to Jesus, and they wanted Jesus to send the people away. They wanted Jesus to send them away. And then when Jesus said no to that idea, they, they tried to convince Jesus that it was impossible to accomplish. I mean, think about that for just a moment. Jesus has performed all these miracles, and now Jesus is throwing out, sees another opportunity. He wants to step up, and he wants these guys to be involved, and they're trying to convince Jesus it's impossible. You know what the disciples didn't understand in that moment they didn't understand that oftentimes great opportunities are disguised as impossible situations. That great opportunities are disguised as impossible situations. And somebody here today or somebody watching online needs to hear that in the season that you're in. Like maybe you're leading your business and you're, you're facing a, a decision that would be a make it or break it type of decision. Or maybe you're in a marriage right now that's rocky, that's having a hard time and, and you're not seeing how it could ever change. Or, or maybe it's with your job or maybe with, it's with your kids. Understand that impossible situations are just an opportunity for Jesus to show up and to show out. It's just another opportunity for him to prove his faithfulness in our lives. Like that last song we sung, the goodness of God in our lives. And then we've got this young boy. <laughs> We got the young boy, and I want you to think about this for just a moment. I mean, this young boy, he's the only one who had the smarts to bring a lunch with him that day, and here the disciples want to take his food. <laughs> How many of you have ever, ever been impacted by someone else's 
lack of planning or poor decision making, right? I mean, a few times. I think I've impacted some people with my lack of planning and poor decision making. Please, no amens. Um, (laughs) Well, that's this boy here in this moment. I mean, I could hear him saying, listen, it ain't my fault that their mamas didn't pack their lunch. Like, like, why is them not having their lunch? Why is that my problem? I mean, he had to have looked at his lunch and then looked at the 20,000 people on the hillside, and he had to, I mean, he had to have thought, how's my lunch gonna make an impact? He had to. I mean, he had to be thinking, there's no way that Jesus can use my lunch to feed all these people So I might as well go ahead and eat it myself. I mean, think about it. The disciples were the ones that had seen all the miracles before. Not this kid. And this kid is in this moment like I did all the planning, like I got my food, I'm good. And now you want my food, but you're wanting to use it to feed all these people. Like, I mean, mean, think about what had to be going through his mind in the moment. And one of the things for me that I love to look at in Scripture is I love to look at, like, like all we get is one dimension of the story because it's how the story played out. But I would encourage you from time to time to look at a story and to think about how would it have played out if somebody would have made a different decision? Like, what might have happened instead of all of these people encountering Jesus and seeing this amazing miracle and the impact that it would have on those that were watching, what might have happened differently if this young boy saw his five loaves and two fish as being too insignificant to offer up? I don't see a story in the Bible that we would be looking at today if that was the decision of this young boy. But yet in this moment, what I love about this young man, what I love about the decision that he made that's a decision that we should really model our own lives after is that he didn't allow what he didn't have, which was food for 20,000 people, to keep him from giving what he did have, which was five loaves and two fish. He didn't allow what he didn't have to keep him from giving what he did have. I want to invite our worship team up in Galatians 6.10 again. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity that we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Listen, God has called each one of us. He's called us as a church. He's called us individually to make an impact in the lives of other people. To use our giftings and to use our talents to make a difference. And I think it's time that we quit allowing what we don't have to determine what we do with what we do have. 
Church, sometimes I find myself laying awake at night dreaming of the impact that our church could have in the city of Tallahassee and all around the world if every single one of us would push aside insignificance and push aside the feelings of insecurity, to push aside the feelings of being inconvenienced and to use our gifts to make a difference in the lives of other people. Jesus made this declaration in Matthew chapter five. He said, let me tell you why you're here. And he didn't go on to say so that you can live your own life, do your own thing, so you can have the cars you want or the houses that you want or the vacations that you want. And church, all of that stuff's great. Like I'm not putting down any of that, but Jesus right here tells us why we are here. You're here to be light bringing out the God colors in this world. That God is not a secret to be kept. That we're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. Friend, think about those days when this was written. They didn't have city lights all over the place. Think about them as they walked through the desert, the pitch black. And as they looked on into the distance, in the pitch black, they see a city on a hill with lights that just shines bright in all of the darkness. And Jesus is like, you are a city on a hill. He said, if I make you light bearers, he says, you don't think that I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? That I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, he says, shine. Shine bright. Church, think about your life and think about where you're at. Has your candle been blown out? Is your light flickering? The reason why we're here is to be a city on a hill to let our light shine. And what I love about Jesus is if you know anything about fires and a campfire and you get a little bit of spark, what gets that flame burning is, is breath. It's just kind of blowing on it, blowing on it, blowing on it. And I believe today that the breath of the Holy Spirit is trying to blow on your life, trying to blow on this house, saying I've created evangel to be a city on a hilltop, a light shining so bright that everybody can see it from no matter how close or how far away they are. 
He says, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God. Church, this is a charge, not from me, but from God. A charge for us personally, a charge for us as a church to shine. To stop letting insignificance and insecurity and inconvenience or whatever feelings we have rob us of the blessing of making an eternal difference in other people's lives. How sad, church, how sad would it be that next Sunday we come back and we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus and all that he's done for us, but yet we fail to live our light for others to see. What a shame. What a shame that we might be so eager to receive something for us and not be willing to share it with others. You know what I love about the idea of a city on a hill? It's not one lamp or one candle that gets the attention. It's house after house after house after house that chooses to set their light that in the distance those that are lost in darkness can see visibly where they're supposed to go. Church, that is why we are here. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes? Father, Father, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for living life our own way. Lord, forgive us for allowing COVID, allowing a year of disruption in our life to, to pull us away from you and from your church and God, if this has been a test for us as a church, if this is, last year has been a test of us and our own relationship with you, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to see whether we passed the test or failed the test, but Lord, I thank you for your grace. And no matter where we've come out on this test this last year, that in this very moment, that your Holy Spirit is trying to breathe into us to try to get our light, our fire sparked again. And with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here in this place or maybe you're watching online and you'll say, Ryan, that's me. Like I've just drifted, I've drifted. I was once on fire for God. I was once 
just allowing him to lead my life and I've just got, I've kind of lost my perspective. I've lost my focus this past year and, and I want this to be a moment. I want this to be a reset in my life. And whether that's you and you've had a relationship with God and you've drifted or maybe you're here today or watching online and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, my challenge to you is let Jesus begin the impact in your life today. If that's you, wherever you're at, just slip up your hand and then you put it back down. It's just a, it's a bold, courageous declaration to the Father that that was me, but it's not me anymore. That in this moment, I'm ready to make an impact. I'm ready to live my life the way that you've called me to live my life. Church family, would you repeat this prayer with me? And if you're watching online and, and that's you right there where you're at, you can, you can say this prayer as well. Father, forgive me for living life my way. Today I accept the sacrifice of your son for the forgiveness of my sins. Breathe into my life Say it again, breathe into my life the fresh breath of your Holy Spirit that today I might live again. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, would you congratulate those that have prayed that today, that are hitting the reset button. Friend, if that's you, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. What I love about my own journey with God is that his grace covers and his blood washes. Don't allow your past, don't allow your, your mess ups, don't allow your bad decisions to dictate your future, that today is a new start. It's a fresh start in your life. Listen, a few next steps for you. If you just prayed that prayer, I wanna encourage you. After the service today, our prayer team is gonna be in the front and they would love the opportunity to, to pray with you. Don't make a decision like that and not tell anybody. Connect with somebody this morning. If, if you'd like prayer, if you're going through some things and you just want somebody to agree with you, our prayer team, again, will be up here and they just, they love this moment. They look forward to it every week and then, if today is your first time, if today's your first time at Evangel, welcome. Make sure you take a moment, just stop by guest services on your way out. Give us a chance to make a, a donation and to give you that free gift today. You know, as we prepare our hearts to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings today, there's several ways, they'll put it up on the screen. There's several ways that you, can, that you can give today as you feel led by the Lord to give. But, you know, I was thinking about this story and I was thinking about the story in John 6 and I think about how it started off that there were, were 20,000 hungry people and a boy with five loaves and two fish. And then I thought about the way the story ended. There were 20,000 people that ate all that they could eat. 
and a boy who had 12 baskets of food. And I couldn't help but to think about the biblical principle about our generosity and about giving, that God will always give you more than you gave up. That God will always give you more than you gave up. Our natural thought is to to think about what we give and what we get. But I like to think of it this way, as what we give, what others get. As we're faithful in our giving, other people get to hear the gospel, the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me today? I'm gonna pray over our offering and the team's gonna take us out with one more worship song. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your many blessings in our life. Lord, I pray that you would take our faithfulness today as we give, that you would multiply it in our life, in the life of this church, that we may accomplish all that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.